Welcome to On Texas Football. It's uh, the Friday live stream. I've got uh, Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd here with me. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, we're all with uh, InsideTexas.com. And uh, as always, uh, we are uh, tracking our uh, Friday uh, situation here with Jerry and Ian trying to sit down and talk a little bit about the Longhorns. Several Longhorns uh, at the NFL Combine this week. Uh, Texas begins spring practice on Monday. Uh, it looks like uh, Longhorns getting ready to go for three practices this coming week. And, and of course, the men's basketball team hosts Kansas on Saturday at the Moody uh, in what should be uh, Texas's chance to come overcome a uh, two-game losing streak. And then finally, uh, we're going to talk a, a little bit of Gary Patterson, uh, the venerable coach uh, from TCU. Uh, sounds like he is stepping aside after this spring. He's going to come back and uh, meet with the players and, and talk with them and do that sort of thing. But it looks like next year he is likely not to be uh, on the sideline for the Texas Longhorns. Ian, Jerry, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing well. I don't have to run a 40 and test today, so I'm doing great. <laughs> Ian, what's your, four, what's your 40, Ian? Like 5'4", five, 5'6"? Five, I. I don't appreciate this uh, <laughs> apparent deal egged on by Eric Nolene that I am slow. I've never been called slow. I may not have great hips, but in a straight line, I've always been pretty good. So, <laughs> well, what'd you guess? Five four four. Yeah, I, some... I watched Coburn run his five two, and I was like, I don't think I'm faster than that. There's no. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch him like a little close, you're like, that's pretty fast, actually. Hey, before we get to all that stuff, I need to say thank you to our sponsor. That's Andy Ludicky uh, over at uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands full in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you to diversify by finding you businesses that will find fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net a good friend of our program here at the live stream. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that combine because uh, Mora Ojomo may have made himself some money yesterday, guys. Yeah, came in at a good height, good weight, wingspan, hand size, all the things we thought he'd do, 5.0440, uh, which 293 pounds, definitely good enough. But yeah, he passed, he passed the uh, measurables test in a very good way. Ian, you you follow the NFL draft a little bit here. Your your thoughts on what Coburn, uh, Ojomo, and even uh, Demarvian Overjone put up with the four five six forty coming from uh, Demarvian yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I guess he needed to run pretty fast because that's kind of his claim to fame. Um, he's still, even last year, still not like a pure inside linebacker yet. Has not really learned all the tricks of the trade there. So his, his projection needed to be like, you know, I can stay healthy, which he did. I can run really fast and I can be like a blank canvas for somebody to paint a uh, modern linebacker onto, whether one exists there or not yet. So I, I think Overshown, yeah, he did himself a lot of favors, probably as much by staying healthy as, as by running that number. But that number is exactly where he needed to be. What was his weight when he ran it? Was it like 225, 229, something like that? Has anyone seen 229, that? 229, official that's weight. Re that's really good, too, because he needs to be able to carry that weight to help stay healthy in the NFL. So to run a 456 at 229, um, yeah, the, no stains, no no deep stains on the canvas for him. Yeah, I, I feel good about all three of those guys and the numbers they put up, to be honest with you. I think, I think yeah. they all did pretty well. Uh, for themselves, uh, Bijan and Roshan, of course, uh, uh, they're they're set to do their thing as well. Um, we look at this and talk about the NFL draft. TCU has nine guys there at the combine. Um, they're losing a lot. Uh, let's segue a little bit now into spring practice for the Longhorns. Uh, starts Monday. Um, it will be uh, the first practice for one young Arch Manning. Uh, we revealed on. Uh, 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 inside Texas earlier this week that Manning is going to be wearing jersey number 16 uh, like Very his cool. uncle Peyton did in college at, at Tennessee. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting. What are y'all looking forward to that first day right out of the gate uh, from the Longhorns? 
I think that everybody's going to be trying to figure out just how good Arch Manning is, even though it's just a very, very small sample size. Yeah, I'm saying the same thing I happened about spring. After the first photos of Arch Manning are put out there nationally, um, then spring practice actually starts. Uh, for me, I'm looking at the offensive line, the kids that are in year two in the program or year one of their first spring practice, but are going in their sophomore year, really the development of those guys physically. I mean, how different is Kelvin Banks going to look? DJ Campbell, uh, by the way, who's perfectly healthy and fine for spring. Um, and Neto, uh, who's been called a, a physical freak of nature by somebody very, very, very close to the program. Uh, so, you know, how, how are those guys going to look from year one to year two? I think it's going to be pretty significant. And then your guys like Ethan Burke, Jamon Tapp, Bledzo, who apparently is up to 276 from round 264, um, and, and see all those guys. And then some of the guys that we've heard have gone the other direction. Chris Ross, 248, 250 pounds. Hard to believe he was 267 his last game of his senior year. Uh, so how do those guys look physically? The big the big bodies is, is what I'm looking for. Uh, Ian, you, you're talking about uh, a team that returns 10 starters on offense uh, you know, seven defenders on defense, plus adds two starters from other other programs in Jalen Catalan from Arkansas and Gavin Holmes uh, from Wake Forest. Uh, is this the best Texas looks in the offseason going into its next season in 10 years or so, in your opinion? Yeah, I think you'd have to go back to maybe some of those years, like um, 2013, because Going into the year, you had David Ash back. And so before he got uh, concussed early in the season, it was like this veteran offensive line, some weapons around him, and Ash rather than Case McCoy. I think 2013 would probably be the last time when Texas had this much returning talent and expectations. Um, they had a lot of pressure that year because that was kind of max make or break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And even 2013, I don't know if they had this kind of talent, you guys think? So you may have to go back to like the, the peak Mac years in the previous decade. I don't think Herman's team ever, I don't think Herman ever brought a team into, into spring that looked as, as strong and promising and deep as this one. Jerry, you think, I, I can't remember one for at least 10 years. No, no, I, I, I definitely am. That's where I'm coming out as well. Um, some of that, so that some of those Herman classes, you know, they had some bad injury luck to Gabriel Floyd. Some of those guys, when they recruited him, were highly ranked, but never hit the field. So that may be part of it, but because uh, they did have back to back top five classes and a quality quarterback. But yeah, I think so. I mean, depth of positions. I mean, the offensive line alone almost makes it, you know, I mean, it's been a long time since there's been multiple future NFL draft picks on an offensive line legitimately in a first round pick at left tackle. Um, and then the wide receivers, I mean, just, you know, the talent there. I mean, 18 obviously had some really good wide outs, but, uh, you know, the guys that have transferred in, the freshmen coming in, tied in, you know, hadn't been one like this in a while. So I, that's kind of where I'm taking it, punter. You know, he's not there for the spring, but a guy that's four-year starter, three- or four-year starter. So, yeah, that's I, I come out the same way you guys do. I think you got to go back at least 10 years. Um, I feel like – go ahead, Ian, what were you saying? I just, I just, just laughing that Jerry threw out punter in there. <laughs> Jerry loves him some punters now. Anyway, he, was, he, looks, he was he was talking about our, our guy this past year uh, from game one, said he was more consistent than uh, Isaac Pearson, and we need to stay with him. And uh, lo and behold, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> I, 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 you know when that changed for me, and it, none of these guys are him? Bobby, you, were, you and I both saw the best punter ever that we'll ever see, Shane Leckler in high school, right? Oh, good, yeah. And I was at AM game against Rice at, at Texas AM. And AM couldn't score for it. But that guy won the game with his leg. Legitimately won the game with his leg. And what Michael Dixon did, obviously, but I mean, it, it's kind of underrated in, in my mind. But I'm just looking at experienced guys. You know, to, I, when's, is this the most experienced team 
Texas has had coming into a season since when? That that's another question. I I, I feel like it's it's set up for Texas. Uh, whether they capitalize on it is a totally different story, and one that I'm hesitant to to call uh, call out a uh, uh, a definite uh, happening. But uh, we we look at it, and they they've got some pieces to the puzzle uh, this year. They really do. Uh, Jerry, I, I saw Shane Leckler play quarterback in high school at yes. East Bernard for East Bernard, and I saw him at the Burger Center in Austin. Uh, and he was playing a he was a pretty good little high school quarterback. Yeah. But boy, when he punted, the ball came off his foot, and it was it was boom. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell one story because we we do get into some of this stuff. I, I want people to understand this about this guy, Bobby. I don't know if you remember this, and I, I, Ian, I don't think you saw Leckler at this age, but they were playing. Schulenberg was playing Sealy, I believe, the district in the, like fourth round of the playoffs. He's in the Astrodome warming up. The ball's leaving his foot at the fifty. He's kicking it through the uprights into the net and the Astrodome. You've never seen a – I mean, he was – there were NFL guys that couldn't do that at that time. And you said the sound was different. It sounded – I don't even know the way to say it, but watching a guy in high school punt a ball 75, 80 yards is what it would have gone, but it's just hitting the net repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And you're just like, how many times in a row is this guy going to do this and not miss hit a punt? And he never did. It was like watching Steph Curry in warmups before a basketball game. You're like, this guy doesn't miss shots. This is crazy. <laughs> I was going to make that comparison. It sounds like you're talking about like. Steph Curry. <laughs> Ian's like, putting isn't there. that hard. You know what? I, I, I probably, if I had lived in Austin, I would have wanted to go early to watch Michael Dixon kick yeah. punts. That guy yeah. is probably the closest that we've ever come to Leckler from what I yeah. get. Yeah. Well, the, the old guys will remember a guy named Russell Erksleben. Yeah. Uh, who uh, was a first round draft pick, believe it or not, as a punter slash kicker of the New Orleans Saints way back in, I think, in 1977, 78, 79. Uh, that time frame. Hey, uh, you mentioned Steph Curry, so that's a good way to transition to basketball talk, Jerry. Uh, Longhorns lost two straight now. Uh, bad loss, I thought, on Wednesday. Uh, disappointing loss this past Saturday to Baylor. How do they rebound against uh, Kansas on uh, tomorrow at the Moody? Well, they're getting into a tricky situation now. Um, and when you say, well, they could drop from a two seed to a three seed, where people are like, well, does it really matter? Well, yeah, go look at the numbers. It always matters, right? I mean, you want to be the ones in the two seeds, have a higher probability of moving on. Um, but look, I, I I haven't really changed much. I think there's 15, 16 teams that are good in college basketball, and you you got to pull the right bracket. You got to shoot the ball well at the right time. You got to maximize what you do well. There's no great team. I mean, I've kind of been saying it. Four teams have to get to the Final Four, and somebody has to win a national championship this year. And I'm not claiming Texas is going to get to win a national championship. Even with Chris Beard as the coach, I wasn't claiming that. I did think they had a really good chance to get to the Final Four because this is as wide open. I think this is the future of college hoops is with so many guys going to the G League and overtime elite league, I mean, I don't think you're going to see great college teams anymore. This is a wide open tournament. You play in a tough league. You're going to take losses on the road. You wish you'd played a little better uh, against TCU. I, that was, you know, Baylor's really good. I mean, that, that's, you know, a, a loss at Baylor's, just like Baylor losing at Texas. It's going to happen um, when you're that good. But I, nothing's changed for me on Texas. They're one of 15, 16 teams. You can kind of circle and say, these guys, if they play really well, they got a chance to make a run in the tournament. And obviously, for me, you know, the, the tough thing through this transition has been, Playing through playing experienced guys as much as possible um, when you're coaching for your job, right? That's the difference when Chris Beard was here. He could develop Dylan Mitchell and Arterio Morris, and nobody was going to question what he was doing. Texas right now is in survival mode, and they've gone all experience, all experience, and, and you understand why. But at the same time, that's kind of left Dylan Mitchell, Arterio Morris a little bit behind, and they haven't quite maximized the team I thought they were going to maximize heading into the season when the circumstances were different. I think that's fair. Um, my only question, and, and get your thought on this, is I feel like Texas can't get hot enough on offense to really sustain a run in an NCAA tournament. Does that, does that make sense? Like, they're good on offense, don't get me wrong, and they score – 
uh, well above average from what they, they usually have. But my point being, they're not necessarily that hot shooting team that will really be able to make it through a, a gauntlet of a tournament. There just may not be good enough on offense. Do you agree, disagree with that? I think that I always say 75 points is the number, whether you're in your road or neutral. You have to be able to score 75 points. And the reason being is people and, – and I'm not discounting defense. It's very important. You have to be good defensively. I don't. You don't have to be great defensively. You just have to be good. Um, but you're going to play really good teams. They're going to score 70 points on you. I don't care how good a defense you play. Just look at the history of the sport. Um, you're not going to hold these teams down like that. Um, you, you know, Kelvin Sampson plays at a slow place. They're going to they're gonna have to score 75 in a re, an Elite Eight game to move on. But two years ago or three years ago when they got blown out by Baylor in the Final Four, you have to be able to score when you play really good teams. Uh, to your point, Bobby, I, I think they can put up 75, 77, 78 in, in, in neutral games in a Sweet 16 game if they get there around the 32 game. Heck, they did that last year, and they're a lot better than they are. Or they're a lot better this year than they were last year. But my key is going to be they have to get to the free throw line in the tournament. That This is where I think Texas can win close games, and they're going to be close games in the tournament. Their, their core guys, you don't want Christian Bishop at the line in the last couple of minutes, but their core guys are really good free throw shooters in college basketball. It's the best last two years, the best free throw shooting teams in 20-plus years in Texas. I know Texas fans are like, what, they shoot 75%. Not everybody shoots 85% from the line. I mean, in a college game. So they have to get to the line. Carr, Hunter, Rice, Allen, they all have to get to the free throw line a lot. They got to get teams in foul trouble. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I, I want to see – let's see if they're just getting getting their feet under them ready for the tournament. Because they've obviously made the tournament. Now it's what what do they do once they get there. Well, yeah. And, and for Texas fans, I think, look, I think it's pretty simple Saturday. If they win, they lock up a two seed. If they don't, I think they fall to a three seed line head into that Big Twelve tournament. Yeah, they need to win. They don't. If they lose three games in a row, it's going to be hard for the committee to sit them on the two as a two seed. Head into yeah, I don't tournament. think they are. Uh, is the reality of it? All right, uh, we're going to stick. Going to move on to our weekly trivia question. Uh, we've got uh, one. Get ready to to answer this because the person who answers first correctly uh, wins a free hat from LastStandHats.com. LastStandHats.com is your purveyor of uh, unique uh, items. I mean, they've got great hats. I, I've got the All Gas No Breaks one. I've got this one that I picked up the other day. Nice little uh, Texas uh, hat outline with the little flower in it. I uh, got some fun stuff as well as I. Let's see this one. I like this one as well. See that with the the hookup sign. Uh, go to LastStandHats.com. Use promo code Bobby ten for ten percent off. Uh, and if you win this trivia question, or if you get it right, and you're the first person to get it right, please email me at ontexasfootball at gmail.com, and we will get you a free hat uh, from laststandhats.com. All right, here's the question. I did not ask Ian or Jerry this prior to going in. And it, of course, is a football question since spring football starts on Monday. All right. Which member of the Texas secondary is the returning leading tackler of the secondary. Who is the returning leading tackler in the Texas secondary? Let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to see who's getting this right here. Uh, Jerry, Ian, who do y'all think it is before I give you all the answer? Somebody got it. I don't know. I'm looking, I'm trying to look right now. I don't see him yet. I I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Go for it. Well, won't I spoil it then if I... No, you go for it because actually somebody has gotten it right, but don't worry about it. Who do you think it is? Let's talk about it. I'm pretty sure it's Jaron Thompson. I think you're pretty sure you're right. (laughs) What do you think? If it's not Jaron Thompson, I missed a lot of tackles by somebody else. (laughs) What's that? If it's not Jaron Thompson, I missed a lot of tackles by somebody else. Well, it's actually pretty close, guys. Is it Ryan Um, Watts is up there too? No. no, Watts was a good 30 behind Jaron Thompson. Of course, he plays corner. Jade Barron had 78, whereas oh, well. Jaron Thompson had 83. Which so means if Barron hadn't got hurt, he would have been the leader. Yeah, it's interesting. That only, only a few numbers off there, 83 to 78. Congrats, uh, congrats Ray Hot Duca. Um, please send me an email 
at ontexasfootball at gmail.com. Uh, we'll get that hat out to you. Uh, the rest of the way, we're going to be taking uh, 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 not calls, I guess, but questions uh, from the queue here. Uh, our producer, Matt Hutchison, has get, got those ready for us and, and getting ready to get going. We're also going to talk a little bit about Gary Patterson <laughs> and his and his uh, uh, departure or soon to be departure uh, from the Texas program as well. Uh, let's go ahead and get this going and, and really start right here uh, with uh, update on Devin Sanchez. Talk a little recruiting. He's a, but this, I mean, just to be clear, he's the guy out of North Shore. Isn't he a 2025 corner? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's a long way to go. But let's let's answer Rodolfo's question. 2025. You know, look, look Texas is in a good spot with Devin. Um, I, I think he's a kid that ends up staying close to home at the end of the day. Been over the North Shore a few times from freshman year on. Obviously, Coach K, they just lost their head coach. Um, I'm interested to see kind of what happens there because he was a uh, great disciplinarian at the high school level. Um, anybody follow North Shore? Uh, but Sanchez is an interesting guy. Listed at 6'2". He may grow beyond that. Um, he may end up being a 6'3", 6'4 guy that could weigh 190, 200 pounds one day. Um, but maybe similar to kid 2024, Selman Bridges, uh, in that regard, who just keep, kind of keeps growing. Now he's 6'4". Kind of the question at North Shore is, is this kid going to grow out of corner? He hasn't to this point. Uh, really good player, really good hips, uh, does all the right things. That's the big thing that I, I was asking about watching at North Shore and I've been over there is um, because they've had some really talented guys that haven't. Uh, but he's done all the right things. He's been in all the weight room workouts, off season. He's taken it serious. Uh, so he's a quality prospect. He's going to be, you know, look, he's ranked 24th nationally in the industry ranking for on three. I don't know where he's going to finish. He'll be finishing the top 50, though. But uh, Texas is in a good spot. He's been on campus once. He'll be on campus again, I think, either for the spring game or uh, sometime before June. And I know he'll be on campus in June. All right. Good stuff, Jerry. I appreciate that. All he's right. Next go to Rice. He's going to go to follow Coach to Rice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Next question here uh, from Avishal Schiff. Realistic expectations for Quinn this year. What do we need to see in spring to know he's on track showing leadership a given? Ian, I want you to take this one. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see anything in spring that will tell us for sure. You know, um, maybe the complexity of what he does in the, in the spring game and how well he handles it. But I mean, he dropped a dime on that bomb to Isaiah Naor and it was like, great we're set and then never saw that in the regular season. So um, I don't, I don't know. I, as far as expectations, I think Ewers could make a leap that would put him still far below where he needs to be in the NFL. But if paired with a good run game could see him drop huge numbers this year, 3,500 yards, something like that, 3000 yards, 20 touchdowns and have a, and have a big season. So I, I definitely think that that is realistic for him with the weapons he has around them. If they can find anybody to run the ball behind this line, which they will. Got it. All right. Um, next one. Let's go to this one, Jerry. This is for you. All right. Wait. Where did I get it? Right here. Because you had a you had a a uh, idea here. Worthy will have a bounce back season. Mark my words. Twelve hundred and fifty yards and twelve TDs. I don't know if I agree with that, but I mean, he, he could be pretty good. Yeah. I don't know about the yards because I think there's more targets uh, this year. And um, you know, AD Mitchell uh, freshman coming in, that'll hit the field a little bit. I mean, but I expect worthy to have his best year because it's the year he wants to go to the NFL draft. I, I mean, and coming off of last year, it's kind of perfect timing. He has Chris Jackson coming in. I think we talked about the timing being great for Chris Jackson. The timing is great for, worthy too. I mean, Chris Jackson's coming in, A.D. Mitchell transfers in so he can be the guy that runs verticals and they can get down the field with the guy that makes the plays on the 50-50 balls, and then they can move Worthy around and probably use him more to his strengths and um, make him harder to defend than they did last year out of necessity. I think he's going to have a really good year. I don't know if anybody's putting up 12-50, uh, but I could see 12-13 touchdowns for sure. Yeah, I, I could do. I think the touchdowns is different, and I do believe A.D. Mitchell is going to be as good or better than most people anticipate. I think that I the Georgia offense um, 
had so many weapons. Uh, and, you know, they could run the ball. They could throw the ball. Uh, he was not a focal point of it last year, in part because of his injury. He was expected to be a bigger part of it uh, last year until he got the injury. So um, they, the word on the street in, in Austin is that A.D. Mitchell is legit. So whether or not Xavier Worthy has that sort of season, I think it's contingent upon how A.D. Mitchell plays and also the return of Isaiah Nayor at the same time. All right, uh, next one uh, from Joel McWaters. How often does Texas's large NIL pool keep twos and threes from transferring elsewhere for more playing time? I'm going to take that one, guys. Right now, it, it, it's not even it, – it's not to that point. Um, so we're just a year and a half into it. We don't know what NIL will look like six months from now, even three months from now. I know for a fact that Texas is planning for – uh, these issues and, and not just Texas, but schools around the country are planning for it. Jerry can tell you that as well, uh, based on what he's heard. Uh, but we don't know how it'll all pan out. Uh, there will likely be some transfers at the end of the uh, spring training. That's just normal. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't know that Texas is necessarily concerned about some guys versus others, et cetera. There's been some good uh, progress in the NIL front. Uh, the Pancake Factory was a, a big success. There's been uh, some some recent success. I, th I think I saw the quarterbacks, including Malik Murphy, for example, out at an event for uh, the Angels Foster Care Group out of Austin. That sort of thing uh, is just always going to be helping uh, because it keeps players engaged and it makes them understand that Texas is a bigger brand than maybe a, a second-tier school that it's not going to have those level of opportunity. And this leads into another thing that I think is a great discussion point. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The portal, we're getting into the, we've had enough experience with the portal now that I think these kids are seeing just because you transfer doesn't mean you're going to get to go where you want to go, or where you think you're going to go. And I, I, I'm interested to see the portal in future years combined with NIL to major schools because if you're a quarterback, yeah, you can transfer and, and do well. But if you're not, I mean, there's no guarantee you're going to the school you think you are. And, and I think kids are starting to realize that. And, and it's causing them to causing some kids at these major schools to stick around at least a semester, maybe a year longer than they previously thought, because the options that they all think they had come out of high school aren't necessarily there when they hit the portal. No doubt. All right, Jerry, I'm going to stay right here with you. So, yeah, keep going. We're doing uh, nothing but uh, questions and answers uh, probably the rest of this uh, uh, time here today on the live stream. Uh, Jerry from Ecamm, is Texas going to offer the rising OT prospect? I think his name's Weston Davis from Beaumont him. United. Um, he's one of the top 10 ranked players in the state of Texas by the industry composite, um, but not by on three. Where, where are you at on this guy and where's Texas in their involvement with him? Yeah, I mean, Texas has shown interest in him. Uh, that's uh, Bo Davis' school, recruits Golden Triangle. He's been down there. I went to United this year for practice, watched Weston. I've been to United for basketball a couple times. He's on the varsity basketball team. He's he's an offensive tackle prospect with basketball feet now. He, he's a talented kid. That LSU offer is really big for him. I know AM recently offered him. Um, we'll see if Texas gets him on campus here. Um, you know, look, I, I put out on Inside Texas, Makai Saina. The offensive lineman at Arlington Martin is a guy that Texas is trying to get on campus right now. I could see them getting Weston on campus and take another look at him. Uh, but the longer how, they how play, big is the guy from Arlington Martin? Six five, almost six five. I, well, let's let's just see at the Under Armour Combine next weekend. But I bet he measures six four and a half, probably two eighty five to two ninety. Um, he's an interior kid that plays tackle. Really aggressive kid. Really, he's got some he's got some nice anger on contact. Weston Davis, you know, a kid who's. He's interesting because he may not fit the large human profile that Texas really likes, but he's a really good player. He's kind of like Casey Poe up, up in uh, 
Lindale, who I think is a really talented kid. Weston Davis may not have that 330, 340-pound tackle frame, guard frame that Texas is really recruiting right now. And that could really be the difference between Texas really going after Weston and not. But they've taken a look. They've evaluated him. The evaluation continues. Uh, Bo's been through that school multiple times, uh, having been down at Beaumont United and asking around. Okay. Um, thank you there. Uh, Jesse Wyatt, uh, thanks for the super chat here. Uh, his question, are Texas or is Texas in on Longview safety Willie Nelson, who's a stud DB and just committed to Oklahoma State? Also, I like Taylor Tatum over Jarrett Gibson for the Longhorns. Tatum, of course, at Longview High, Gibson down at IMG in Florida. Uh, Jerry, I, I think they took a look at Willie Nelson. Yeah. Great name, uh, yeah. but did not offer him a scholarship. They did offer Taylor Tatum the running back a scholarship as well as Jarrett Gibson. Uh, Gibson is rated higher than Taylor Tatum at this point in time. I'm not saying one or the other. Tatum, however, is also entertaining playing baseball. Um, and so that could actually move him one way or the other in a pecking order if you're a college football program. Yeah, Texas had Willie Nelson at January 21st, Junior Day. Like you said, they didn't offer him. Really good player, maybe a little undersized for what Texas is looking for, but he's a really good football player. He's a productive player. I expect him to be a really talented player at Oklahoma State in the secondary, wherever they play him, corner, nickel, wherever they end up playing him, safety, undersized safety. I mean, look, Antoine Winfield came out of the Woodlands. Antoine Winfield, the name, you know, and he wasn't highly recruited. He went to Minnesota and look at him now. He was a 5'9 nickel safety. Um, and I'm not saying Willie Nelson's that level, but I'm also saying there is some similarity there in how their recruitment went. Um, as far as Jarrett Gibson and Tatum, you know, Tatum, the whole baseball thing, if I'm if there, if it was really, really close, that pushes Tatum down for me a little bit, honestly. I mean, you know, look what's going on with Deuce Robinson's recruitment. Um and this is more of a college baseball and football deal, so you're missing spring practice. I don't know. I mean, it sounds great for all these kids. I think it's really tough, um, especially with the talent level Texas is going to be bringing in uh, at the running back position. But, again, Jarrett Gibson, look, what wherever he ends up, I don't think he's as talented as Cedric Baxter a year ago, but he's still the number one ranked running back. He's from the floor, state of Florida. He's at IMG Academy. Choice has been recruiting him for multiple years. Um that's where they're headed. And if I had to put an RPM in today, I'd put it in for Texas and Gibson. Wow. All right, Gary, how, do you like the, how do you like the Arizona kid? I like Christian Clark. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure I love him, but I like him. I'm not sure I love any of these backs. I like a lot of them. And, I'm, and if any kids are listening, it doesn't mean I don't, I don't like you. I think you're real, all really talented. But, you know, I'm not. there's not one guy I'm like, uh, this guy is the one and he is the guy that everybody in America needs to be recruiting. I haven't really necessarily seen that guy yet. Um, I think there's a lot of really good backs. I think Christian Clark's got really good feet. He's a bigger frame. So let's say it's a two running back class for Texas. And we go back, Bobby, we've talked about this, and we, we may have talked about it on a Friday, Ian, as well. Sarkeesian, one of the interesting things, he said two interesting things in that signing day press conference. One, he thought Derek Williams could be a first-round pick, and so did Michael Griffin, which is another conversation. But two is he doesn't want to sign two of the same backs in the same class. And if you look at Gibson, Tatum, um, James Peoples, they're all very similar body types. Christian Clark's a bigger frame kid. They offer Kedron Young from, from Lufkin, who's even a bigger frame kid, 5'10 and a half, 220. Christian Clark's a 5'11 and a half kid, but a frame to carry 215, 220 pounds. And like a Jarrett Gibson's 5'10 and a half, 195, 200 in that range. And he's going to tap out at about 205. He's a really rocked up young kid going IMG. All right. Uh, need to say thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, for the super chat and the question, uh, we're going to be getting back to everybody's questions. Please get in the queue if you want want a question answered. Uh, and uh, Jerry and Ian, myself, uh, will be taking those the rest of the way here, uh, about for another 30, 20, 30 minutes here. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor uh, of the Longhorn live stream every Friday is Andy Ludicky. Uh, stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. I know he's helped a couple guys out there uh, off to good starts uh, and whatnot. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Andy. Let's get back to it and start uh, more questions here. Um, 
be real clear with this. Jerry, did I hear right? You say earlier that DJ Campbell is healthy for spring. I talked to somebody uh, late last week. Uh, he was going through all the drills with the team. So he should be good to go. It'd be news to somebody if he wasn't. I, I heard that he had he had a um, uh, a stomach type flu issue for a couple of days that kept him out of workouts. And so people were worried that he was actually more, he was injured as opposed to just uh, under the weather. Uh, and that's why we were, we at Inside Texas were like, hey, we don't know what's going on at yeah. this point in time. And so that- And he will be the starting right guard yeah. first day of spring practice. Yeah. He will say that again. He'll be the starting right guard first day of spring practice. He is, he is going to, he is going to be the starting right guard when spring practice starts. All right. Thanks, uh, Jerry. And thanks, Cody, for the question. Hook up to Brea. Uh, how does the pressure and spotlight on a Texas QB compared to Bama, Georgia, or the Ohio State QB? Ian, uh, you've you've been around the country a little. What do you think? You know, it's it's pretty up there. Um, I think that I think it's comparable to Ohio State, Bama, and Georgia. I want to say are high except that they've tended to have caretakers at quarterback. Uh, recently, Alabama's had some superstars, but they've had a lot of caretakers, running games, overall teams. I don't know that they've put the same emphasis on quarterback that Texas has because Texas, Texas's recent run of greatness has is, is corresponded to legendary quarterbacks. So I think Texas may actually be a little bit unique other than the fact that they've been I mean, there's always some pressure and spotlight at Texas, but it's been a little diminished due to them not being very good uh, for like a decade. So I think it might be comparable to Ohio State right now. In Ohio State, it's important to remember that, you know, Ryan Day loses to Michigan twice after Ohio State had beaten them like 20 times in a row or something nuts. And it's like, you know, it's beat Michigan or it's the chair next year for that guy. You know, he's he's in hot water and, and the quarterback feels a lot of that pressure as well. So they may be up there as well. Jerry, what do you think? I want to break it down. I think it's twofold. In state, I think Texas and Ohio State are a different level than Bama and Georgia. I, I'm not sure Texas isn't higher than all those as far as a pressure. The quarterback, the Dallas Cowboys, the quarterback, the Texas Longhorns takes a lot of freaking heat in the state of Texas. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just – I think it's maybe on a different level. More and people I, in the more people in the state. Yeah. Bigger exactly. fishbowl. And look, and here's the thing: it's such a high school football state. Quinn Ewers is a he's a he's known more to people coming out of high school than Jacob McCarron was coming out of Mobile, Alabama, St. Paul's, right? I mean, it's just it's it's a little different. The size of the state, high school football in this state, the media coverage um of the state. But I'll say this. I, and I think nationally, it's a push. I think Ohio State's got some unruly fans that are probably make make it really tough. But I think the next few years, with Quinn Ewers entering year two, Sark year three, Arch Manning on campus, Texas is going to be number one in this in this discussion. I think there's going to be more pressure on the Texas quarterback starting next season than moving into the SEC uh, than any other school. There's also more expectation, I guess, to to build on my earlier point. There's more expectation at Texas in particular that it's the quarterback that gets you out of the hole. Whereas the Georgia, and Alabama, Georgia and Alabama don't think that way, which is probably partly why they haven't been in any holes this deep in a while, right? Um, well, your your point also about caretaker. I mean, they had David Green, Stetson Bennett. That's what he really is. I mean, now he played above his head at times. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but other than Matt Stafford, I mean, Jake Fromm wasn't anything. Hey, um, they went with Fromm over Justin Fields. Think about this with Georgia, too. The most heat Kirby took at quarterback was Trevor Lawrence goes to Clemson, right? Um, and Mark Rick took a lot of heat because Deshaun Watson went to Clemson. But then Justin Fields transfers. Georgia fans are up in arms. He won the two national titles. Now nobody's going to say anything forever, right? But he took more heat for who he didn't get or didn't play than who actually played quarterback on the field. That's a good point, Jerry. I, very good point. All right, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, will JT Sanders, this is from Freelance Society, will JT Sanders have a better college career than David Thomas? I Look, David Thomas is interesting to me 
because he's a tremendous player, first of all. But all but one of his years was alongside Bo Scaife, who himself was a tremendous player and a longtime NFL guy. Um, that being said, I think it was uh, it was either Mac Brown told me this or Greg Davis, and I can't remember which one I was talking. They told me that David Thomas did not drop a single catchable ball his senior year. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I, I can't I, remember. Yeah, I mean, I'm just telling you. I, I don't remember whether Greg or Mac was the one telling me that one time. But I was like, I mean, that, that's just unheard of. Uh, and I think he was the team's second leading receiver, or third leading receiver behind Shipley and uh, Cosby that year. I, I think oh. it's a great point. I, I Look, JT Sanders is going to be a higher draft pick. We'll probably have a better and longer NFL career. He's going to test better. You know what made Davis Tom, David Thomas a great player to me? His feel for the game. Uh, the guy never fell short of the first down on third down, right? Think about the plays he made falling forward, knee not hitting the ground, the move a chain, national title game, whatever, pick the game. He had, so, and whether it was special teams, whether it was blocking, he had such great feel for the game of football. I think he has instinctively, he's as good as it gets. JT Sanders is better because of the upside, if that makes sense. I agree with that. David Thomas impacted winning in big ways in critical situations. Yeah. In pure stats, JT Sanders last season, this last year, was equal to David Thomas' senior year. Yeah. They both had about 50 catches, 600 yards, five scores. I just looked it up, which is I, I thought Thomas was going to be higher. But the way they built that 2005 offense around David Thomas was really special. Like they they made the spread passing game work with Vince Young with David Thomas running two man combinations with the slot uh, that that Vince Young could read and deliver and got really good at. Uh, they put teams in hell when teams wanted to play four three defense against the spread, yeah. and then they would have a linebacker in conflict with Do I cover David Thomas on an option route? Or do I stay inside and keep my eyes on the greatest scrambling quarterback we've ever seen? And that was an impossible dilemma for teams. So um, the current Longhorns have not built their offense around JT Sanders in the same way that the 2005 Longhorns did with Thomas. But he is more talented, and he's already matched him in stats, and he'll probably blow him away in stats next year. So if, if he's a bigger emphasis next year, then the answer could be yes, I, I guess to make a, a, a long answer short. Okay. I like this question a lot from King me, which positions scare you if the backup has to start four to five games this year? <laughs> I'll start with one safety. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Any uh, J J uh, J Jalen Catalan or Jaron Thompson goes, goes down. I think Michael Taft's ready. Keaton Crawford. I, I, he just didn't look natural in coverage ever. Um, Looked indecisive, uh, unfortunately. And I don't know that B.J. Allen and or Austin Jordan or Larry Turner Gooden are going to be ready. Uh, Ian, do you have one that you think of? Jerry, you have one? I was going to start with safety. I'll take linebacker, too. Middle backer. <laughs> middle, by, middle linebacker, particularly. Um, I don't know what it looks like if Jet Bush plays a whole game. The way he's – he looks good when he goes out there, but he's generally not getting targeted much because his – the snaps are sporadic, so we haven't seen teams try to put him in the, uh, you know, in the swivel with putting him in space and stuff. And then Will linebacker too, like, is David Ben to the starter? Because then the backup is going to be some talented young guy that couldn't beat him out and may not be ready. If he's the backup, then maybe they're in better shape. You know, it just kind of depends on how the, that works out. But Mike is, Mike looks really scary if they lose Jalen Ford, and then um, quarterback probably. Not the best thing if they lose Quinn for four or five games. I'm going to say if Tavondre Sweat goes down, I mean, there's just large human experience. What's behind him is really messes up a rotation. 
forces you to play a freshman, a lot of key downs. Um, so, so we're all have a different and one. And then my fourth, and I can't leave it out is if the Stanford punter pulls his hamstring. Who knows <laughs> Jerry's on a roll today with the punter. Hey, th- there's no Trejo this year backing up, you know, that can take the job. So that guy better stay healthy. I gotcha. That's a good one. All right. Do you remember, to- uh, you remember when, when Cameron Dicker got like a, a targeting penalty or something? And it was like, oh my God, there's <laughs> what's gonna happen here? A third of the team has just been wiped out. What are you doing? Yeah. That's a All good right. question. Next, we need to next question from Fabian. Does Texas bring in other head coaches or another head coach to replace Gary Patterson? We haven't really talked about Gary uh in this uh this uh segment or this live stream today uh, much at all. Uh it sounds to me like Sark is looking actively for that position, both on offense and defense, right? Um, who will they bring in? Is it David Cutcliffe, like some have mentioned? Uh, I don't know. Uh, and I'm not sure that they'll be here until after spring practice, given that spring starts just two days or three days away. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. Um, I'll say this, you're not going to bring in somebody that has the eyes of Gary Patterson on defense. I just, I think he was a huge asset. And and that's really, you know, if you said, what's my concern in the spring, my concern right now is he's not coming back. I mean, I think he was a big asset to this defense and and this team um, and the meeting rooms and with the players, just the little things. So you don't have to call a defense to have a great impact on a program and a team. And I, and I think he really did do that. And, And look, I was at the Alabama game and I saw kind of what he did from play to play that guy had an impact uh, for sure. And that was just what you could see on game day. Um, So you're not going to hire somebody that has that resume uh, as a DC and set eyes on defense. I don't think that, but I do think, you know, look, there was a couple of high school guys, head coaches entertained for one of these positions. I do think it's going to end up being somebody who was a former head coach or coordinator at the college level, who's not coaching right now, who, uh, you know, sees this as an opportunity. Does it mean, does this mean the guy that wants to get back into the game and he's kind of, you know, more of analyst for a year role or assistant head coach? We'll see. But I think it's going to be something like that. And I'm not saying what Nick Saban does, but I think it's going to be something in that realm based on a couple of guys that got looks at the high school level and didn't end up doing it. Got it. There's kind of two directions that could go with that job in general. You know, Patterson – Patterson helped them install match quarters coverage. They had some of that last year, but uh, they were like, you know, I think we need to go more in this direction and move off of some of the things that Kwiatkowski initially wanted to do. And then they brought in one of the best guys in the country for that. And you could tell his fingerprints were all over the design of the defense. So it's actually going to be interesting to see what changes or how well they implement it without him. Uh, I mean, Terry Joseph, Blake Gideon, these guys have been around. They know how to, teach coverage, but uh, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because it looked like the integrated defense they settled on was the Gary Patterson defense, you know, and it's not, and he was in the building. So what, what does that mean with him gone and how much can they retain or how much do they change is all very interesting. So you could bring in an older guy like that. Patterson did that himself at TCU. He'd bring in Jerry kill. And then he had sort of like a, uh, to, to use a common to today's favorite term, like a deep state, you know, shadow coordinator in the offices, right? That could like kind of run things and tell the staffers what to do that was older and experienced, but maybe not energetic enough to like have to, you know, be texting recruits all the time and, and on the practice field and, and, you know, all those things. So you can go in that direction or they could go, you know, try to find the next Joey McGuire, pull him out of Texas high schools and stash him on your staff try to find the next Rashad Samples, whoever else, and get that talent in your program and make space for them. That, both of those things could bring so much value. And, and, and I, I, I say this, let, me add, let me add to that, Bobby. The pro, and, and Ian's not wrong on the thought process. The problem is the salary for that position is not what these top high school coaches are making in the state of Texas anymore. I mean, that's one, that's one issue with it because – those guys have their salary, their head coach AD, if they run camps as well. Those guys, uh, that's a, it's tough to get the, pull those guys from those positions. Uh, from Brian Hiddle, this is for Ian. Uh, the Big 12 quarterback-running com- running back combo, 
who scares you the most this season? I'm trying to do some quick thoughts in my head. I know that Kansas State brings back Will Howard and then got that transfer from Florida State. Uh, Jerry, do you remember his name? No, but he's a good player. Yeah, that that is a good combination. Um, off the top of my head, it seems like a lot of teams are kind of starting over there. TCU is starting over at quarterback and running back. Um, Oklahoma is starting over at at running back. And Dylan Gabriel does not scare me on behalf of Texas, um, nor do their backups, obviously. Baylor doesn't. Baylor, uh, they actually have some talented young runners, but their quarterback doesn't exactly compliment them as a, as a runner. Who's Tech going to pair with Baron Morton? Baron Morton's going to be really good. Well, Tyler Shuck might get the first nod, right? Yeah, and then, um, and then they have um, Sir Roderick Thompson. I think is done there. He's yeah, done. he's he's in the draft. They they have some other talented guys. I, I can't remember the name of the of the most talented one. Um, West Virginia has a little running quarterback that ran over Oklahoma, but their running back is not as scary. Oh, they, actually, they have that huge kid that Texas concussed. That was like the terror of the league until Texas knocked him out. And then he was. He was the freshman 20, from South Florida, Jerry. Uh, yeah. You know what? That's actually, that's actually quietly an interesting combo because they have their, their offensive line. I think they returned five starters. They've got this like 5'11 running quarterback um, that beat Oklahoma. I, I can't remember his name. And then they have this 240 pound converted tight end running back kid. So they have some a uh, little bit of thunder lightning there. Um, they might be a terrible team next year, so don't. I'm not trying to sell them, but they, that's. <laughs> I don't. You know, the league is weak. The league is weak this year. I, I I'll give you one. I'm going to forget Kansas. One. Yeah, Jalen Daniels. That's probably the best one. That's yeah. the best one. Jalen Daniels and uh, whatever that uh, their kid is really good. The guy from Dallas. Uh, the the uh, really shifty guy Jerry can't remember. Yeah, I, I, I was I was I'll tell you what I was looking at. John Rice Pumley and the back that's returning at UCF. Yep, yep. I mean, yeah. Plumley and the running back. They had two backs. One graduate returned running returning running back rushed for eight hundred and Plumley rushed for eight fifty himself. I mean, so that might be the one actually. A lot of experience there. They're similar to the West Virginia combo, but. Probably you trust uh, Gus Malzahn to have to to be consistent with it. They also they have like a uh, the left tackle from Alabama yeah. transferred there. A couple other transfer linemen. They're going to be an interesting team. I got to say thank you to our uh, sponsor uh, Andy Ludicky. We have a couple time for a couple more questions. First, I want to say thank you to Andy Ludicky uh, of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Stuck in the corporate rat race with two weeks PTO and no control over the money you can make or your schedule in general. Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Want to get now to Freelance Society? He had one. I feel like this Texas team might be better than the team that will enter first year of SEC play. Lots of players leaving after 2023. Time to win is now. I agree. I mean, I, look, I, I think you're set up with a good freshman class and a good sophomore class right now. But, you know, frankly, Jalen Ford leaves. Two or three-year starters leave in the secondary. Uh, you start losing guys. If you lose uh, almost all of your top receivers potentially next year, um, with the exception of maybe Jonte Cook, if he is a top receiver this year, uh, I think I think the first year in the, the SEC right now could be difficult for the Longhorns. Of course, we can't account for the transfer port. Well, and that's what I was going to bring up. Is Texas going to be more inviting to kids transferring because they're now going to be in the SEC? I think they are. So I I, I agree on the surface. The time to win is now. I, I agree with Ian. The Big 12 is not very good. You have the best returning uh, uh, team in the Big 12 is talent and uh, everything that goes with it. This should be a year to go from eight wins to 10, 11, or 12. Um, it should be. 
that first year in the SEC is interesting because it, to me, a lot of it is going to be impacted on what happens this year. If Texas wins 10, 11 games and they start to be seeing, okay, Texas is back. Here we go. They're moving to the SEC. And when these kids jump in the portal, I think it's going to, Texas is going to be more attractive because of what they're losing off a 10-11 win team if they get there and head in the SEC than Texas has been to this point. So I think the portal action is going to be even better for Texas moving to the SEC. I think um, I think the time to win is now, but I think the team in the first year of the SEC might be better than this year's team. Why is that, Ian? Because the way that they've been recruiting on the lines is going to need until then to really reach fruition. And the way that they've recruited in the secondary or the wide receiver, I don't think they're going to lose that much pace there from departing graduates. So, you know, they may the first year there may be there may be one year where they need to kind of get their bearings with a few younger players, but then to Jerry's point, they could just solve that with the transfer portal. You know, like like Mike linebacker, are they going to have somebody who's ready? as a Mike linebacker or will they need to go to the portal? But a lot of those positions like edge or offensive line, they are going to be loaded. Like they're going to have Kelvin Banks back and all his year two, uh, year three, then uh, uh, 2022 class uh, compatriots. I, I think that that team is potentially better. Well, I, I t- to Ian's point, well, Bobby, what'll be interesting is, who are the hits? Who's going to be the hits? Are the highest ranked guys going to be hits in the 23 class? If they are, then Ian may be right because we've seen what the 2022 guys, some of those guys were hits out of the gate, right? And we're, we're going to see some other guys come on. So if the number five ranked class looks really good, if the number three ranked class looks like it's going to have similar success as far as guys panning out and we have some big hits in those classes, then, you know, they could be. It could surprise us. But they're going to have to hit defensive tackle pretty hard to have some impact guys there. That'd be the right. concern. Here we go. Taylor Otterbein. Uh, this is probably going to be our last one for today. Where do you see the you, – where do you think you will see the biggest impact of new wide receivers coach Chris Jackson on the field for Texas? I think it's – I'll just toss it out there, not really knowing Chris Jackson, but – watching a lot of stuff, studying up on him. And I think it's it's true for anything. I think there has to be a healthy respect, a little bit of fear for your coach. Um, and if the Texas receivers have that, as talented as they are, and as many, I don't want to say egos as personalities, if those guys have a little bit of healthy fear for their wide receiver coach, then this group could be really, really good. I, 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 think, I think they just need, I don't, I mean, look, they got to stop dropping balls. <laughs> that's kind of my point you know I mean, you, you can't maybe for the action right and you have yeah. to walk, you, you can't you don't want to look over to the sideline after you drop the ball to see chris jack i i watched in the Irwin center when these kids would turn the ball over and they had to look at chris beard and it was a fear and, and you gotta have that uh, uh, somewhere all right last one i want to ask this one of ian what are we betting Bijan clocks in the 40 this from just a dude you know, the the rumors from his camp are that he's going to kill it. I feel like I saw that guy – I'm not trying to speak bad of Bijan, but I feel like I saw that guy get caught from behind a few times. To me – No, no, he did not necessarily have long speed yeah. comparatively to the other things that he, he brought to the table. He I seems mean, he, a little more he like Jerry Rice. Miss in a phone booth. Yeah, he seems a little more like Jerry Rice where like the first 10 or whatever are like elite, but then the last 30 are not. So I would have thought in the four five four six range is what I would guess, but uh, there's rumors that he's that he will break the the four five sound bar- running back sound barrier or whatever. So uh, we'll see. I I think I so not, not the five four four that you're going to run in. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I, I think nowadays these guys train so well for the forty, right? I mean, I think he could probably hit. I'm with Ian. I, if he ran four five five, four five six, that wouldn't shock me. I think it'd be a great number for him because you're not running away from people in the NFL, anyways, at that position. You're you're not. There are very few Adrian Petersons, right? So you're not running away from the speed in the NFL much anymore. Um, could he 
get this thing perfected to where he can hit a 4-4-8, 4-4-9, not out of the question. These guys do. Look, look at, by the way, before we go, the NFL Combine. Hey, Texas fans, are you ready for the SEC? The 40-yard dash for the edges at linebackers, all SEC guys are guys from the SEC region. The Yasir Abdullah guy from Louisville that ran 4-4-7, Miami, Carroll City, I saw him in high school. The linebacker Trent Simpson from Clemson that ran 4-4-3s from North Carolina, but it was a recruitment of those SEC schools in, in Clemson. But uh, the linebacker from Tulane that ran 4-4-9 is a South Carolina guy. Um, so – uh, looking at the combine, it just made me think about it. Texas fans, uh, buckle up, man. There's some real speed in that conference, and it shows up on the combine every year. All right. Uh, that's been that's going to do it for uh, this week's uh, live stream. Special thank you to our sponsors, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net, and the guys at Last Stand Hats. Remember, if you want a 10% off on any and every hat you can, you can find on their website, all you have to do is use the promo code BOBBY10. Uh, for Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, I'm Bobby Burton, and that's been On Texas Football.